Hello and welcome to Beer and Money, a financial fireside chat for professionals. We work to simplify your finances so you can enjoy your life. Now here are your hosts, Ryan Burklow and Alex Collins. Hello everybody, welcome back to Beer and Money. I am your host, Brian Burklow. With me as always, my co-host, uh, the very sensual Alex Collins. <laughs> Oh man, it is. Uh, I should probably not go away very often because uh, you get punchy when I go away. <laughs> well, the other aspect is, is I'm uh, I'm on day eight of seventy five hard right now. Ah, and yep. uh, my body uh, aches a little bit, uh, but the good news is, is I've hit every single one of the mandated uh, structure for every day, and uh, we'll see how this keeps going. I'm, I'm excited for what's all occurring thus far. Yeah, congrats, buddy. It's good to see the hard work for you. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, oh, actually, I know it's going to last 75 days because Diane is like gung-ho about it, and she'll probably kill me if we don't. So if I don't like magically disappear, now you know why. <laughs> so for those of you who are new to the podcast, this podcast, our mission is really to have a hopefully fun and enjoyable conversation around money where you have actionable items uh, to help you with your personal financial situation and you can actually uh, live the life that you want and have less stress around uh, the topic of money and even have conversations around money because it's a taboo topic. So the beer and money aspect came from uh, us wanting you to really just kind of relax and have an open-ended conversation around money. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast, um, please feel free to leave a, a rating, uh, that helps with obviously the searchability and helps us grow this, this podcast. You know, we want this podcast to be a resource for you all, and that definitely helps. Today's episode, uh, we're going to continue on around, uh, college planning. And, uh, if you didn't listen to the last episode, we spoke about three things you should be doing prior to college planning. Today's episode, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the college planning, Alex. Yeah, it's going to be the first of two episodes that we're going to be talking about what to do with uh, with your dollars. Uh, today, we're going to talk about what to do with them ahead of time. Uh, next uh, next week, we're going to uh, go ahead and talk about, hey, if you haven't planned, what are the things you can do at the time of your kid going to college, um, as well as then kind of like okay, what are the best uh, best ways to to plan for college? Obviously, uh, you know this falls into my favorite uh, answer for anything, is which is it depends uh, on your situation. But uh, yeah, let's let's jump into today of of how we can go ahead and uh, fund college savings with uh, with current cash flow. Yeah, so so planning ahead, we're going to talk about five different assets that you can build and where to put money. Um, this is not an exhaustive list, so we'll just put that out there right away. This is a list that is, is popular, I guess, in terms of where to save save money. And, and the, the most popular plan that we hear of when people call us up to, hey, I want to start saving for my kid's education uh, is a 529 plan, Alex. Yeah, a 529 plan is the it's the specific tax code. Um, it's what uh, each plan is run by a specific state. There's two main types. Uh, one is prepaid tuition. Uh, the second is an asset uh, accumulation. Prepaid tuition, you're you're essentially 
paying tuition at, of tomorrow uh, or whenever your kid goes to school at today's tuition rates, uh, which is great as long as tuition keeps going up. Um, it doesn't work nearly as well if uh, tuition flattens or goes backwards. Um, the other type is uh, what we see more commonly, which is asset-based 529 plans. Um, you don't have to use your own states, although there may be some tax advantages to using your states, um, especially in states that have uh, state income taxes. Uh, the basic concept is the, the dollars grow uh, uh, tax deferred and then uh, can be used tax-free, provided they're, they're used for higher education. Uh, the biggest downside to these types of structures is that they're specifically limited to higher education. Um, so you can't use it, you can't repurpose it for uh, for other tasks beyond higher education. Um, they do define higher education fairly broadly. I believe there's a, uh, uh, like a golf school in Scotland that uh, is accredited in counts. So that, yeah, it, uh, it's I'm very starting, broadly. I'm starting a plan right now. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's it. Diane sending uh, me to golf school in Scotland. <laughs> uh, it is broadly defined, but uh, um, if you if you might wind up using the kit, the the dollars for something other than college, uh, starting a business, uh, you know, having a, a wedding, buying a first home, things of that nature, uh, there are some negative tax consequences uh, to pulling dollars out of this type of structure, um, and for that reason, it, it's less flexible uh, for for that purpose. Um, it's also single-use dollars, so the the only thing that can be used for is higher education, um, as opposed to dollars that can get used over and over again or used for multiple purposes. Yeah, it's it's the most popular plan for all the reasons that Alex just uh, explained. Um, you know, every every asset that we talk about on today's episode will have pros and cons, right? And so you want to make sure you're analyzing it from the aspect of what's best for you and your situation. Um, Flexibility can be key in building these, so make sure you take that into consideration as well. Um, I think the biggest reason most people choose maybe not to use this is the aspect that it is the money can only be used without penalty, at least for educational purposes. So that single-use dollars is a is a a big red flag to some people that don't like that aspect. Um, so number two, Alex, you know, jumping from five to nine plan is uh, a Roth IRA. And I think a lot of people yeah. don't realize that they can actually use money from their Roth IRA for for this. Yeah, there's a couple of different provisions that in, in the Roth that allow you to uh, to access dollars for higher education. Uh, one, you can specifically access some dollars uh, out of your Roth for higher education. Uh, the other is you can access your uh, contributions uh, to be able to pay for higher education. Um, as well, I mean, you can you, you can access your contributions at any time, um, so that those are that's something that you can um, always uh, go ahead and use for for something like this. Um, again, you do need to be careful and and make sure that you're not violating any of the the tax rules for penalties and things of that nature around uh, IRAs. Uh, we do like this as a as a structure simply because it offers more flexibility. If the uh, child chooses not to go to college, then there's there's ways to to go ahead and repurpose the dollars for retirement or or other things. Um, so we do like this quite a bit as it offers some flexibility and has uh, uh, virtually the same tax advantages um, as uh, the 529 plan. The the biggest downside is you're limited on the amount of dollars that you can put into it. Yeah, and 
another piece that we didn't really talk about in the 529 plan, at least in the asset building 529 plan, is the aspect of the risk aspect of the investments that you're choosing, right? If the market has a downturn, such as a 2020 timeframe, you know, what, what occurred, and that's the exact time period that you're pulling money out to fund your kid's education, that that, that can be an issue. So that's, that's another con in, in both of these plans. Uh, Alex, I, I just thought we'd throw it out there because I know we'll get the question. People are probably going to ask, well, can I do the same thing for traditional IRAs or my employer 401k? I, I, the easy answer is yes. The larger answer is it, it's much more challenging to do so, and you still have some, some tax consequences. Uh, one of the advantages of the Roth is that when you pull the dollars out, you're pulling out after-tax dollars. Um, and so as a result, it, it winds up having less hoops to jump through. Um, there are ways to go ahead and pull dollars out of traditional and uh, employer plans. It depends a little bit on the employer plan itself, uh, but you can you know, oftentimes take a loan from your plan. Uh, depending upon the plan, you may or may not be able to take a distribution um, out of the traditional. It's the same type of things, but now there's going to be a taxable component to it uh, because you're now you know, taking a distribution of, of non-taxed dollars. Um, so there are a couple extra hoops to jump through in there, but uh, yes, the, the easy answer is yes. Right. They can possibly skip the penalty, the 10% penalty, but they will still get taxed on that money. That's the piece that gets overlooked because they think 529 plan and they, they forget the fact that that's after-tax dollars that they put into the 529 plan. Well, and like one of the biggest issues that we deal with here, Ryan, is that um, if we think about the timing of it, most most folks have kids in their you know mid-20s to mid-30s. Um, and so when their kids are 18 to 20 years older, they're going to be in their you know, mid-40s to mid-50s, which is usually the peak earnings uh, time period for folks in their careers. And so the last thing that we want to be doing is creating more taxable income as the kids are going to, to college, as we're at our peak income earning years. Like That's just a recipe for, for a tax issue uh, you know, down the road. Um, that's one of the reasons why we excluded uh, employer plans and uh, and traditional IRAs from from this concept. So let's jump to, to number three here, and this is just your standard investment account. So outside of retirement accounts, it's your standard investment account where you pay taxes on the growth of that money if and when you sell, depending on if it's a mutual fund or stock. Absolutely, this provides far and away the most flexibility, the most investment choices, the, you have unlimited uh, choice in terms of how you structure it. There's uh, you know, little to no tax advantages to structuring it this way, um, you know, but there's there's no limitations. You can use it for starting a business. You can use it for a down payment on a home. You can use it for for a wedding. You can use it for college. You can use it for whatever. So it's it's really super flexible. Um, however, there aren't as many tax advantages as some of the other structures that we've talked about uh, already or that we're going to talk about in in the future. Again, yeah. to, to your point earlier, Ryan, we do need to make sure that the asset allocation is appropriate. Um, the, the the mix of what uh, what you're doing with stocks and bonds, um, and as you're get, getting closer and closer to needing this money, dialing back the risk and making sure that you're not exposing yourself to uh, to a large swing as your child gets uh, uh, closer to college. Yeah, to some extent, it's a a quick. Uh... <laughs> 
learning curve for for your parents that are putting yourself that are going to be paying for your kids education in these accounts as you're pulling money out and the investments are going up and down it's kind of a version of retirement because you'd be pulling money out of these accounts while you only need it for four years it's still a real quick like three out there like this is how money really works when you're pulling money out of an investment account when you need it for a purpose absolutely the other component is uh It'll throw you for a loop uh, when you start taking a look at uh, the FAFSA form, which is the federal financial aid form. Um, what gets counted, what doesn't get counted. Make sure that you take a look at that. And like that has to be specifically done for your, your circumstance and situation. Um, you know, you, you want to know that ahead of time so that you understand which assets get counted um, on the FAFSA form. The, the biggest issue is, uh, we have the FAFSA form for today. We don't have the FAFSA form or what it'll look like for when your kids are going to school. Um, so it, it's important to make sure that you understand that those things can change over time. You mean things change over time? Shocking. Our government changes the rules. <laughs> of the so let's, let's jump to an asset that I think is, you know, we've had a couple episodes in this asset and it's it's definitely misunderstood. It's got pros and cons just like every other one out there and that's permanent life insurance. Yeah, so permanent life insurance, it's insurance first, but it builds cash value and that cash value can be used um, for, for whatever purpose you want. There's, it's not attachable to creditors, it's not taxable for the most part, um, I mean, there, there's ways that you can misuse it and make it taxable, but uh, so long as you're either taking your own money back out or uh, taking a loan against the policy, uh, it's going to be a non-taxable event. Um, and so you, it has a lot of flexibility and a lot of, uh, a lot of benefits that, that help out. Um, again, it's, it's insurance first, but there's a cash value component of it um, that can, can wind up helping out quite a bit uh, as we get uh, – uh, closer to college and there's there's a couple different strategies that we can go go ahead and use with that yeah when you have you know a lot of people use this style of policy for just kind of like the steady eddy approach they, they like the guarantees built inside of the policy and that allows your other assets that might be market-based you don't have to worry about touching those so they can continue to grow so a lot of people uh, like that type of asset for that again it has its, it's cons as well right it, it doesn't have uh, that that investment uh, opportunity in terms of the rate of return that's in the the stock market, if you will. So it it, it has just like everything else that's out there, a pro and some cons. Absolutely, and and it's not a the tool in and of itself isn't necessarily good or bad. It's how you're planning on using it, um, and so it's it's really uh, with all of these things, whether it's a 529 plan, a Roth, uh, investment account, an insurance account. Um, as we're going to talk about here in a second, real estate, it's all about how you plan on using that tool and making sure that you've got choice and flexibility, because the only thing we truly know about the future is it's going to change and it's uncertain. Yeah. And using that tool in a holistic fashion, meaning how does it operate with the rest of your assets rather than only looking at it from a, oh, I got to save a kid for my kid's education. So let's do X where you can utilize maybe several different assets or strategies for that, which takes us to, to your point, Alex, of real estate, um, you know, maybe utilizing some equity or cash flow if you maybe have a rental property that's paying you um, some rental um, um, income from that aspect. Yeah, there's a, a host of different ways that you can go ahead and gain 
uh, gain through real estate investment. You know, if we've got it as a rental, you know, one of the things we can go ahead and do is is get it to the point where okay, it's cash flowing, uh, you know, either cash flow positive or cash flow neutral right now. And you know, if we're building that up and your child is say five, well, when your child is ready to go to school at 17, 18, 19, 20, you know, potentially you can refinance and either pull some of the dollars out of the the equity of the home, uh, use that to pay for it. You can simply refinance and restructure it so that you've created extra cash flow available to for you. Um, you know, even without uh, even without interest rates moving, so long as interest rates don't move in the wrong direction significantly, refinancing 15 years down the road, you're going to save yourself a, a bunch of cash flow, um, which could be used to, to potentially help pay for for college without actually impacting uh, your your monthly budget. Um, so there's there's a host of different ways to to go ahead and use real estate. Uh, obviously, you can also liquidate it and then use the proceeds to pay for school. And there's there's a half a dozen different strategies around real estate. Um, a lot of people really like real estate simply because it's something you can uh, see, touch, feel, etc. Um, but it, it it has its cons as well: maintenance, um, un, uncertain cash flows, things of that nature. Um, obviously, if we liquidate things, then we've got some uh, some tax potential tax issues. Uh, but uh, as long as we've got it as a rental, um, there's some nice tax advantages to it in, during accumulation as well. So Alex, we we've went through, and again, this is not an exhaustive list, but five different like assets, if you will, that you could build for funding uh, a kid's college education um, in the future. And this is this was five two nine plans. This is Roth IRAs. This is your standard investment accounts, permanent life insurance, uh, and real estate. Um, I would say that not one is better than the other. It's really depending on your situation and how you're utilizing it in the entire picture plus that strategy. So make sure you're looking at that um, when you start really looking at how you're going to fund your your child's education. Uh, and then the the bigger piece is what is what is the strategy? I think is the bigger yeah. thing to look at, not the specific asset class. Yeah, 100% agree, Ryan. We'll get into more of the details in our next episode. We'll we'll talk through some some later planning as we get closer to to uh, uh, the child going to college, and then kind of recapping like, okay, what are the pros? What are the cons? What do we recommend? Why do we why do we go which direction? Um, but the question of the day for for today's episode, uh, if you go to beerandmoney.net, uh, you can go ahead and answer this question, and that is, what is it that you're doing with your cash flow right now? Which of these savings methods uh, are you using and why to save for college? Uh, so if you've got uh, go go to beerandmoney.net and answer that question. If you've got other questions that you want to reach out to us about uh, future potential podcast episodes that you want to see us address, or if you've got a question that you want uh, Ryan or myself to to reach out to you directly to to discuss, uh, we also you know are still taking on new clients, and if you're interested in in exploring that as an option. Um, you know, feel free to reach out to us. We'll have a 30-minute conversation around uh, um, whether it makes sense for us to, to potentially work together or not. Awesome. So we hope this episode was valuable for you. And as always, Mr. Collins. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, Please note that individual situations can vary.
Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. A 529 plan is a tax-advantaged savings plan issued and operated by a state or educational institution that helps families save for college. Investments in 529 plans are not insured by the FDIC or any other government agency and are not deposits or other obligations of any depository institution. Investments are not guaranteed and are subject to investment risks, including loss of the principal amount invested. Tax implications vary significantly from state to state. If you or the designated beneficiary is not a resident of the state offering a 529 plan, you may want to consider before investing whether your state or the designated beneficiary's home state offers its residents a plan with state tax advantages or other benefits. All whole life insurance policy guarantees are subject to the timely payment of all required premiums and the claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Policy loans and withdrawals affect the guarantees by reducing the policy's death benefit and cash values. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California, 91711, 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Number 2020-107-252, expiration August 2022.